Last Sunday, I want you to know there's an invisible harness holding me up, so I would not fall over. If you just see me like just dangling, just keep singing, okay? No big deal. Uh, but in, in all honesty, if there's ever a place you want to come to church and it's okay to have a medical emergency, it's this one. Like I looked up and I felt like I was in a scene from MASH last Sunday. Uh, with all of these medical professionals all around me. So don't be afraid to really get into the singing and just keel over because we've got people that can help you out this morning. Uh, I want everybody to give someone around them a big hug, but wait, I need a few people to go kiss Debbie Clarkson because she's wearing a big sweatshirt that says kiss me. So uh, big hugs for all, kisses for Debbie. Uh, but I, I think what's cool about this morning, that, you know, coming in wearing ugly sweaters, I think mine's actually pretty cool, but y you know what? It's okay to have fun in church. It's okay to come in here and laugh and smile and have joy. And I think sometimes we forget that on Sunday morning. We come in here and it's kind of solemn and, and quiet. And so let's take this energy from our sweaters and apply it into our singing to God. Uh, this morning because we're having fun. Jesus, Lord. 
And praise God, you guys sound great. You know, I love um, worshiping because the Old Testament says that God inhabits the praises of his people. And um, in the Old Testament, you look, and in, in 1 Kings, you see that the, the singers and the, the, the people that would just exalt God and praise God would go out before the army. Why was that? Because God wanted to give power to their praises. And as they exalted him, as they worshiped him, as they magnified him, as they proclaimed who God was, he gave power to the armies to defeat. And I just love that. So I love worshiping because uh, God just inhabits those praises and he gives power to the word that you're about to hear. And, um, and so my prayer is that in our worship, that that's how we would see it, that we are just, we're getting our minds and hearts ready by exalting God to hear from his word, and I love that. So if you don't mind, just stay standing for a bit, especially if you have a, uh, I'm not going to say ugly Christmas sweater, because y'all look a lot better than I do, so... Don't worry, nobody will be able to see your faces. If, I don't, if you don't mind, I'm going to take a picture of all you beautiful people. Okay? Maybe Android does better, but I don't have time for a... Uh, so I'm going to take one over there, one in the middle, and one over there. So don't worry, you won't be able to see your faces on Facebook because some of you are actually ugly. All right, you go ahead and have a seat. So my son... This morning, I was putting this on, I bought it, and then I put it on for the first time this morning. Didn't test it out, as you can see. And um, he goes, Dad, why is that just going up all around your neck? And I realized for the first time, my son, he's seven years old, he has never seen a turtleneck. Like, this is, this is amazing. I remember when I wore turtlenecks in high school, and it was awesome. Like, that was the thing for a high schooler. You can imagine a high schooler today wearing a turtleneck, and if you do... It's not in fashion anymore. I'm just kidding. A couple of things I want to mention. As you walked in out there, there's a beautiful tree, and it's called the Giving Tree. And uh, Creekside has a relationship with um, Freedom for Youth Ministries. We even have some people from here that volunteer down there on a regular basis. We took our youth a couple years ago uh, to do some service projects down there, and it's just a great ministry that we love. We've had them here a few times, and we love to support them. So the Giving Tree is another opportunity at, in this time of the year for us just to, it, it, whoever can, uh, just to give and support that ministry. And you'll even see on there that there's specific amounts of tags that you can take and give that amount. There's also a tag 
couple tags that have a blank amount. So you can fill that in if it's between or whatever. And there's a couple tags that say $1 on them. So if, you, if you've got kids, you can get them involved in giving as well. And they can have the joy of, of taking that off the tree and giving a dollar. Whether it's quarters, whether it's a gazillion pennies. Um, actually, it's just 100 pennies, if you didn't know that. Um, and, uh, and they can be a part of that as well. So stop by the giving tree and Kevin and Jerry Cyberling will give you instructions on how to do that. Um, also, Christmas Eve service we're going to have here from 5 to 6 o'clock. 5 to 6 o'clock, that is a glorious time because then you still get to, you get to come and you get to rest and you get to remember Jesus and then carry that over and you still get to go have your times with the families at night. So family time, not an excuse. Unless you planned like last year to be doing something from 5 to 6, this year, be here on Wednesday night, okay? It's Christmas Eve, it's December 24th. All right. If I call your name, I want you to come up front. So here we go. If I call your name, first of all, I would love for my lovely wife to come on up. She's going to hate me for this, but come, come on up. You're going to be joined. Come on. Come on. <laughs> She's the only one that was not warned about this. Okay? But stand, you can stand next to me. Okay? She is the only person I know that makes puke pink look that good. Isn't that true? Yeah? Okay. Yeah, I love you. Okay. Brent McLaren, come on up here. Raleigh Clarkson, come on up. Me, I'm already up here. Tom Baird, where are you? Come on up here. Jake Troja, just don't worry about the sound. Come on up here for a second, all right? If it goes nuts, it's because we don't have a sound person, but we're all right with that. Um, Betty Billings, Betty Billings, where are you? Come on up. She's coming. Betty Billings, come on up here, okay? Carrie McLaren. Where are you? Debbie Clarkson, you hippie Christmas woman. And Jim Kern, come on up. All right, here's what we're going to do. Y'all have to get into this a little bit, okay? Some of these are actually hideous. Others of them, others of them are uh, very creative, um, and yet others you just look really good. Like Betty, you just, you look... <laughs> You look extremely well. And so here's what we're going to do. I'm going to walk behind them, and I'm going to put my hand over their head, and you have to get involved here, okay? So as loud as you cheer, that's how, okay, our standard here is not just ugly, because she would lose, right? But, okay, but creativity, just what you like about them, all right? And Jim, if you can't see, he's got, he spent an hour on those lights, you know, and (laughs) He's homemade over there, homemade Christmas tree with lights. Okay, so you've got to, I'll say it again. If you don't cheer, this is going to be lame. So help me out here, okay? All right, you ready? One, two, three. No, you're going for yourself here, Tom. One, two, three. (laughs) They can't all be the same, okay? One, two, three. One, two, three. Oh! (laughs) Raleigh did this himself, so one, two, three. (laughs) Raleigh, you lost, I'm sorry. (laughs) One, two, three. One, two, three. (laughs) Standing, I love it. 
All right, just so you know, Jake's got little bells, so jump up and down. You hear that? Okay. One, two, three. Oh, hurt. But I think our winner is Brent. Good job, good job. All right. Give them another round of applause as they sit down. Thank you, guys. You guys are awesome. You made that good. You guys did a good job, too. You, you uh, got right into that. Thank you. All right. I want you to turn in your Bibles if you have a Bible. Uh, I hope you do. If not, the words are going to be on the screen. If you have a Bible, though, open it to Luke chapter 1, verse 34. Luke chapter 1, verse 34. And Mary said to the angel, How will this be since I am a virgin? And the angel answered her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. And behold, your relative, Elizabeth, in her old age has also conceived a son and is in the sixth month with her who was called barren. For nothing will be impossible with God. And Mary said, Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. In those days... Mary rose and went with haste into the hill country to a town in Judah, and she entered the house of Zechariah and greeted Elizabeth. And when Elizabeth heard the greeting of Mary, the baby leapt in her womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. And she exclaimed with a loud cry, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. And why is, it, is this granted to me that the mother of my Lord should come to me? For behold, when the sound of your greeting came to my ears, the baby in my womb leapt for joy. And blessed is she who believed that there would be a fulfillment of what was spoken to her from the Lord. And Mary said, My soul magnifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior, for he has looked on the humble estate of his servant. For behold, from now on all generations will be called blessed, for he who is mighty has done great things for me, and holy is his name, and his mercy is for those who fear him. From generation to generation he has shown great strength with his arm. He has scattered the proud in, their th in the thoughts of their hearts. He has brought down the mighty from their thrones and exalted those of humble estate. He has filled the hungry with good things, and the rich he has sent away empty. He has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy, and, has, and, and as he spoke to our fathers, to Abraham, and to his offspring forever. Let's pray. God, thank you that a Savior has been born to us. Thank you that this is the time of year, even though the world around us almost teaches us to speed up and to, to become consumers and to, um, to be into what is here on earth, God. You've called us to just rest and to take a break and to remember that our Savior was born. And God, that should change everything for us. So I pray that in these moments I would serve well and that you would just give power to these words. And God, comfort our hearts with them. We need you and we love you. In Jesus' name, amen. 
So the title this morning is going to be Leap for Joy. And Mike is just so creative, hence the, uh, the sweater behind Leap for Joy. It's part of the reason why I wanted to, I wanted to like infuse some joy into us, right? We're supposed to be some of the joyful, jo- most joyful people on earth, and, uh, and so hence we have fun like Tim talked about. There are probably four kinds of people in the room, okay? And there's a bunch of different variations of these people, but I'm just going to name these four kinds of people. Okay, number one, you're here and you have a relationship with Jesus and life is good. You feel, you actually feel blessed. We know from, from what Kyle has taught us before that we are blessed in Jesus, but you actually feel blessed this morning, that everything is going well and you are pursuing God and you have a relationship with him and it's good. Second kind of person, you have a relationship with Jesus you're pursuing God, you are uh, desiring a relationship with him, you're spending time with him every day, but for some reason you are suffering. You're suffering in your life, and things are not going well, and you're wondering why. Third kind of person, you have a relationship with Jesus, and you're suffering, and you're asking why, but your own actions, your own bad choices, are causing your suffering. And there's grace for that. But you're in that category this morning. Number four is you are here and you have no relationship with Jesus. You don't know who Jesus is. You don't have a relationship with him. And you know what? I just want to say to you that God has you here for a reason. Okay? He's got you here for a reason. That all of us are here for a reason. That we don't breathe or do anything without God's knowledge of it and without God's ability to breathe. And that's a sobering thought. That's a humbling thought. Today I want to talk about joy. What is joy? Where does it come from and what is it not? No matter what category of person you are in this morning, one, two, three, or four, the answer is the same. As to how do we pursue joy? I'm talking about real joy that you can feel in your innermost being no matter what circumstance you are in or in life how do we pursue joy? Christmas time is a time where we probably hear the word joy most often, right? Even outside of the religious world, outside of the church, okay? You, say, you hear the word joy on the media almost as much as any other word, okay? On the radio, joy is a word that you hear a lot, okay? Christian radio, secular radio, okay? We, we think about joy, Joy of family, right? Joy of time off. Joy of lights, right? Beauty in lights. Like Jim knows about joy of lights. You know, Brent, you know, over there, lights. Okay? Joy in presents. Joy in work bonuses, right? There's a lot of things to be joyful about. And for some people in the room, it's really easy to find joy in these things, right? For some people in the room, Life is good. You're in category number one, and you're joyful. Everything is good for you. But what about the people who don't have these things to be joyful about? What about the people who are suffering right now? Whether it's they're suffering and they're pursuing God, or they're suffering and they have a relationship with Jesus, but their actions have caused suffering in their life. What about these people? How do they find joy? And if you look at how we as Americans, as, an, as a nation as a whole, and I'm not blanking, ev- blanketing every single person and every single family in this, in this, but if you look at what our society in America feeds to us, 
Okay, I've already said this to you, but I want to say it again. In the year 2006, and I don't know exactly what it's been since then, but in the year 2006, does anybody remember how much money Americans spent on Christmas this season? $454 billion, okay? Now, to put that in perspective again for you, it takes, to count to 1 million, it takes 11 days. Counted straight to 1 million, it would take you 11 days, okay? To count to 1 billion, just 1 billion, does anybody remember how long it takes? 32 years to count to 1 billion, and we spent $454 billion from Black Friday to Christmas in 2006, Now that says a little bit about where Americans and where the media will push us as to where we find our joy. But the question that I have this morning, is joy the same thing as happiness? Is joy, the kind of joy that we are after, the kind of joy that is deep-seated, is that the same thing as happiness? No, it's not. I think the Bible points us to joy and contentment being synonymous and happiness really is what the world wants us to strive after, right? It's what we as Americans are told to strive after. If you get this, if you have this, if you pursue this, if you want that, all these things, then you will be happy. But that's not the case in the deepest part of all those people searching for happiness, Is it possible, is it possible to find joy in situations in life, especially at Christmas time, where everything is supposed to be joyful, right? Is it possible to find real, true joy in situations in life that don't provide happiness? James 1, 2, just listen to these verses as I read them. James 1, 2, count it all joy. Or you remember when Sam was up here sharing, sharing his story. Consider joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds. For you know, and this sets up the rest of the verse. You can consider this, for you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. And let steadfastness have its full effect, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. This is talking about people who are suffering as they pursue Jesus. As they pursue Jesus and everything is good and they're being they're being the way God wants them to be. They're acting in righteousness. And they they're pursuing Jesus and yet they're suffering. You, here, okay. Suffering exists in the world. It does. Okay? It will exist. Because we live in a world fallen because of sin, and it just exists. And it will exist until Jesus someday comes back to do away with suffering, to do away with pain, and ultimately make us perfect. There's this word, sanctification, you've heard it before. But sanctification is the process in which somebody who has come to Jesus for salvation is on their way to heaven becomes what God says they are, right? So I still mess up all the time. 
I still make bad choices. I, am st- I still sin. My final destination is in heaven with Jesus, but sanctification is the process on earth that God is taking me through to make me more like Christ. Why? He says, I am holy. Be holy for I am holy. He know, this is being Christ-like is the most effective way to reach the world. And he wants us to live that abundant life in Christ-likeness. But through our suffering and through our joy, through the good and the bad times, sanctification happens because God is either shaping you gently or chiseling away at you and it hurts sometimes, right? And so when suffering happens, what do we do? We say, thank you, God. Not, that, not necessarily like, I am thankful that this is happening in my life, but what I am looking forward to is that I know I serve a God that can turn this trial into a blessing in my life. That's the God I serve. So thank you, God, for this trial and what you will have it shape in my life. 1 Timothy 6, 6 through 8. 6 through 8. But godliness with contentment is great gain. For we brought nothing into the world and we can take nothing out of the world. But if we have food and we have clothing, with these, we will be content. Now, why can Paul say this? How can Paul say this? Because Paul understood that life is more than the body. Life is more than money. Life is more than stuff. Life is more than what you and I see in front of us here and now can feel and touch. It is more than that. It is so much more important that we learn to live life without worry because God has everything taken care of. That's so much more important than the fact that I eat lunch today even, right? Life is more than that. And so Paul can say, if I just have food and clothing, I'm content because I know that my God will take care of me. He understood, and we need to understand, we've talked about this before, that nothing I have is mine, right? Isn't that freeing? Isn't it freeing to know that the next breath you take, the next breath I take, God let me do that. There's no guarantee that you're going to leave this room alive. There's no guarantee that you're going to get to lunch alive. There's no guarantee that you're going to make it home alive. That doesn't instill fear into people who have hope in Jesus. No, it should be comforting. Isn't that freeing? Everybody with me right now, just release, shake your fingers. Go ahead and do that. Just shake your fingers. Release. All the tension, and on three, just take a big deep breath. One, two, three. One more time. We can relax, right? In the midst of any situation, we can breathe. That my breath, my life, my money, my family, whom I love, my stuff, my relationships, it all belongs to God so I can give it to him. I don't have to hold on to it like this. I can hold on to it like this. Philippians 4, 11 through 13. 
Mind you, Paul wrote this while he was in prison. Not that I am speaking of being in need, for I have learned in whatever situation I am to be content. I know how to be brought low. I know how to abound. In any circumstance, I have learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. And here it is. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Right? There's a couple phrases in my life that I feel like people use right before they do something really dumb. Right? One of them is the, is the uh, I, don't know, I don't know if that's an acronym or not, I don't know, is the word YOLO. Right? YOLO is not a thing anymore. It lasted for like six months, so if you're still using that, you got to stop. But, so when I was working with the youth, I heard like all the time, people would be like, YOLO, 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 and I'd be like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then finally after like four months, I got up the guts to ask somebody, what the heck does that mean? You know, I just didn't want to feel stupid until I couldn't take it anymore. YOLO means, what does that mean? You only live once. See, the youth in our, they know, okay? You only live once. I feel like people before, we totally misuse that phrase, okay? It's like, you only live once, I'm going to jump off a cliff. That's just dumb. You only live once, I'm going to skydive. You only live once, and you just do all these dumb things. You only live once. You know what we should use that phrase for? You only live once, so let's be fearless for God. You only live once, so who cares what these people think of me because I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. You only live once, right? So don't hold your stuff like this. Hold it like that because you can't take it with you. You only live once. The second phrase that people misuse is, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me, right? And they do the same dumb stuff they do when they say you only live once. That is not what this verse means, okay? It doesn't mean you're going to get superhuman strength. It doesn't mean that all of a sudden you're going to go like this and have a six-pack, right? It just doesn't mean that, right? Uh, that is impossible in my case and <clears throat> other people in the room. I can live this life for what really matters. In the midst of a world that constantly points me in the opposite direction, everything that Satan puts in front of me is meant to keep my mind here is meant to keep my mind on earthly things, the things that I can see, the things that I can touch, the things that I can relate to, the things that I can feel. But in Christ, I can, with his power, get my mind off of these things and on things above, where real joy is found. So, what's the secret to joy in every single situation? It's a pursuit of Jesus Christ. That God, my Savior, has been born. That's a big deal. How do we get there, right? What's our strategy? Because you might be here and you might be like, that all sounds good, but that's all easier said than done. Especially when I'm in the middle of a situation that I just have to ask God why. So our passage, Luke 1, 43, when Elizabeth 
heard Mary's voice, the baby inside of her who was John the Baptist, the baby inside of Elizabeth leapt for joy because through the Holy Spirit, that baby understood that he was hearing the voice of the mother of the Savior of the world. Now, John the Baptist's job was to come and prepare the way for the Lord, right? And he rejoiced that it wasn't, I think he, he probably leapt for joy that my life is not going to be about me. I get to serve something bigger, and I just heard the voice of the mother of my Savior. He leapt for joy because his Messiah was born. And then Mary goes on and she sings this song. The song is called the Magnificat, or the Magnificat, whatever you want to say. It means my soul magnifies. My soul magnifies. You remember last week when Joseph visited us? Remember that? I was impressed by the emotion that he felt and the honor that he had to quietly give Mary a certificate of divorce instead of giving her over to all of the public shame that he rightly by law could have done by giving her, him, her over to be stoned by rightly by law he could have done. Now here's the deal. People, when they saw that Mary was pregnant and then they saw when Joseph and Mary actually got married, they would put two and two together, and two would equal four. And so even without Joseph putting Mary out there for public disgrace, public disgrace would have eventually come, because two and two would have equaled four, and four would have eventually equaled public disgrace, possible banishment, along with the possibility of being disowned by her own family and still possible stoning. So God gave her the right guy for the job, but she was still in the most impossible situation of her lifetime. And it was thrust upon her by God. Is that, really, is that supposed to happen? First Peter says, let us not suffer for doing evil, but for doing good. Now what do we do when we're suffering for doing evil? We repent, we receive grace, we get up, we change, we walk forward without shame. Why? Because Jesus says, you are not condemned, but get up and turn away from your sin. There's grace for that, and I love that. There's grace for that. What do we do when we suffer for doing good, when suffering for Jesus' name? How do we find joy when things are good or when things are bad? Real quick, Job chapter 1. I think this is probably one of those stories that we go to often. You know, Job, in the end, when he loses everything, says, you give and take away, blessed be the name of the Lord. And we love that response, but most of, un, most of us find it hard to respond in that way when our life is falling apart, right? Job chapter 1, verse 6 says this. 
Now there was a day when the sons of God came to present themselves before the Lord, and Satan came also among them. The Lord said to Satan, From where have you come? Satan answered the Lord and said, From going to and fro on the earth. This is pretty sobering. From going to and fro on the earth and from walking up and down on it. And the Lord said to Satan, Have you considered my servant Job? That there is none like him on the earth, a blameless and upright man who fears God and turns away from evil. Then Satan answered the Lord and said, Does Job fear God for no reason? Have you not put a hedge around him and his house and all that he has on every side? You have blessed the work of his hands and his possessions have increased in the land. But stretch out your hand and touch all that he has and he will curse you to your face. And the Lord said to Satan, Behold, all that he has is in your hand. Only against him do not stretch out your hand. So Satan went out from the presence of the Lord. The most righteous man on earth. He had great wealth. Everything was going great for him. He was in category number one. He was seeking God and everything was awesome. And he quickly went to category number two. He was seeking God and everything that he had was taken from him. His kids died. All the wealth that he had, his animals, his building, everything was wiped out. And eventually, God permits Satan. Get that. That's a big deal. God permitted Satan to hurt Job physically, only without killing him. And so in the end, Job is sitting there on the ground in this heap of rubble that used to be his life. And he has boils, painful boils all over his body. And he has a broken piece of pottery. And he is just scraping the boils, calling out for God, just kill me. Just kill me. And he's essentially asking why. But the problem is that most of us, when we ask why, we want to know specifics, don't we? We think God owes us an explanation. God, what do you want me to learn here? Why is this happening? I've been pursuing you. Like, give me an answer. Why? So, God gives him an answer. But I'm pretty sure this is not what Job was looking for. In Job 38, verse 1. Then the Lord answered Job out of the whirlwind and said... Who is this that darkens counsel by, the wor- by words without knowledge? Dress for action like a man. I will question you, and you make known to me. Where were you when I laid the foundation of the earth? Tell me if you have understanding. Who determined its measurements? Surely you know. Or who stretched the line upon it? On what were its bases sunk? Or who laid its cornerstone when the morning stars sang together and all the sons of God shouted for joy? Again, pain exists in the world. Suffering exists in the world because sin exists. And we have been separated from God. And someday Jesus will come back to make it right. But here's the deal. In the meantime, we cannot base our faith all the time on what we see God do. Here's why. Isaiah 55, 8 says, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. 
We're not going to always understand what God is doing. Do we get that? God may be doing something in your life that you just want to know the answer to the reason why. You might not understand it now. You might not ever understand it. But if we could base our faith on who God says he is, then we will have an unshakable faith. It'll be hard, but able to find joy in the midst of impossible situations. We could trust that whatever God does is good. Because he says, I will never leave you or forsake you. I will be with you even till the end of the age. All things come together for the good of those who love him. That's how we have joy. That's how we pursue joy. What if God actually told Job the reason why these things were happening to him? And he said this, something like this. Well, you're the most righteous man on earth, and Satan was asking for somebody to test, and so I gave him you. Are you serious right now, God? I would be really pretty upset. Like, God, that's not how it's supposed to work. I'm pursuing you. I've lived a righteous life. And yet you, uh, you, you, you serve me up on a platter. That's how we feel, right? So sometimes maybe we just really don't want to know why. But in the end, we can still trust that whatever God does is good. What does Mary do when her life is about to fall apart? She chooses joy. So again, Mary is in the most impossible situation in her life, right? I mean, this, this is where Christmas brings us to. It's not just our Savior being born. When we focus on what Mary was going through, it was given to her by God. This is a big deal. God asked her to do this, and she chose to obey. And what does she do? Here's what she says. My soul magnifies the Lord. She immediately begins to praise God, right? When you're suffering and you don't know why, what do you do? Just worship. It's not going to make sense to you, and it's probably going to be the last thing you want to do in the moment, but just start doing it. Just start worshiping. Just start saying, God, you are good. I know this is true about you. It doesn't make sense to me right now, and I'm not feeling it, but I magnify you, God. She goes on, my spirit rejoices in God, my Savior. Mary was a person just like us in need of a Savior. For he has looked on the humble estate of his servant. For behold, from now on all generations will call me blessed. Why? For he who is mighty has done great things for me. And holy is his name. His mercy is for those who fear him from generation to generation. He has shown strength with his arm. He has scattered the proud in the thoughts of their hearts. He has brought down the mighty from their thrones and exalted them of humble estate. He has filled the hungry with good things. Remember Sermon on Mount, Mount blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness because they will be filled. And the rich he has sent away empty. 
He has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy as he spoke to our fathers, to Abraham, and to his offspring forever. So we ask ourselves, I ask myself, do I find my joy at Christmas time in Christ alone? If here's the brutal truth, and this is really hard to do at Christmas time in America. If my joy is based on anything except God my Savior, it will not last. Even more importantly, it will fail, it will fade when life gets hard. The secret in everything is pursue God, magnify His name, glorify Him no matter what. I mean, Job was able to say, He gives and He takes away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Stop complaining and trust Him, even when you don't understand, because even now, after knowing these things in our minds, we've, we just beg the question, how does that happen? How do I do that? How do I get up and stand upright and hold my head up when life is falling apart? I don't get how. And here's, here's the how. Just like the hardest part of doing a workout program is day number one, like, and then every day after that, but day number one, it's like, oh, I do not know how to do this. What do you got to do? Just get up. Just get up. Receive God's grace and just get up. And start running towards him. You may feel like you're running on a treadmill forever, for a long time, like you're running as hard as you can toward God and you're not going anywhere and you're not getting any closer to him. But let me tell you, he's running right next to you. And sometimes he's even going to pick you up because we all hate treadmills. So he'll pick you up and he'll run on the treadmill holding you for a while. The point is you don't feel like you're getting closer to God, but you've just got to run. You've just got to get up. you just got to get up and keep running. Keep running. Keep pursuing. And the best way to do that is to worship God. When we worship God, We get to focus on what is right with God when everything feels so wrong with me. If we could focus on what is right with God, then in every situation we could say, thank you God for this trial. I look forward to you turning it into a blessing. Thank you God that my life is falling apart. I look forward to you turning it around because I can't do it myself. And so that's what we're gonna do right now. The band's going to come back up, and we're going to spend some time pursuing joy. Because if this is how we do it, if the best way to pursue joy, I don't care, you may be in the most joyful point in your life right now. It's the same thing. You worship God, and it puts your whole life into perspective. You may be in a place right now where you're just feeling pain, that's all you feel, and it's hard to get up in the morning. This is where it starts. You just start to worship. It it might be painful to worship, but you just start to worship. 
and you think about what is right with God, and you may be here this morning and not really, either not have a relationship with Jesus or it's been too long since you've met with Jesus. This is where it begins. We worship. We think about what is right with God. And so communion's gonna be up here, the bread and the juice, symbols of his body and his blood broken for us, that God, our Savior, was born. And so at Christmas time, we should be welling up with joy. And sometimes it's painful joy. How can it be painful joy? Because we have pain in our lives, but somehow we're joyful. This is why salvation is so glorious, and it doesn't make sense to anyone. Because somehow we could be joyful in the midst of pain? Really? Yes, really. So if you know Jesus and you have a relationship with him, it begins here. Up front or in the back, remember him. If you, don't watch, if you don't have a relationship with Jesus, watch what's going on. This is why we worship. Because God, our Savior, has been born. And we are on our way to be with him in heaven. So, I want you to, during this first song, I don't want you to come up during the first song. I just want you to sit there. Maybe close your eyes or just read the words on the screen. But rest in the presence of God and be reminded that joy starts with my worship and magnification and glorification of God, my Savior. And he just wants to pick me up. So listen for the first song and then after that you can begin to come and take communion. Not a silent night There was blood on the ground You could hear a woman cry I love that picture right there because this time of year remember our Savior is born so no matter if you are really joyful whether you feel joyful or whether you're just pursuing joy, that is our, on our knees, the position of our heart to God saying, I can't do it. I can't do it on my own. And so God, I need you. And so it all begins with worshiping and acknowledging who God is. So in this time, in this Christmas season, as you go, acknowledge God and magnify him and worship him. Let's pray together. God, with humble hearts, we come before you knowing that we celebrate God, our Savior, was born. And thank you that you reach down into impossible situations, that you give joy in the midst of all of life, God. I pray that we would pursue you. I pray that we would know you. God, you are a God that saves. You are God who sets us free. We praise you, exalt you, and magnify you as the King of kings and Lord of lords. In Jesus' name, and all God's people said, amen. Wednesday night, Christmas Eve, five to six o'clock here. Hope to see you then.